Father, as we uh, come to hear your word, we thank you for all that you've given us. Uh, so many blessings, uh, so much comfort. Um, our daily bread you give, give us. And Lord, as we remember you at this time of the year, we, we uh, pray that we can give back just an offering of that out of all that you've given us. Um, and remember just to say thank you. Lord, help us to focus on uh, your word today and teach us through your word. Open up uh, our spirits as you talk to us through yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, um, stick your hand up if you, in your workplace, uh, you have ever taken part in a secret Santa. Anyone done secret Santa before? Does everyone know what secret Santa is? Okay, some people are shaking their heads. So the idea of a secret Santa is that you randomly select names, usually draw them out of a hat, and then you buy a present for somebody else. Um, so you're, it's supposed to be kept really secret, never is. Everyone finds out very quickly, and everyone kind of leaks it out. Um, and I find it's a, it's a bit of a strange tradition, but it's quite nice. Um, so last year I uh, participated in Secret Santa at school. Um, unfortunately, I was a bit busy this year, just a, a little bit, yeah, quite busy with work. Um, I got the usual things, some chocolates, uh, a, a strawberry-shaped uh, calculator, because obviously. Um, now, the girl who I was assigned to, uh, I got some... It was supposed to, it's, the Secret Santa is supposed to be just a small, fun little gift. So I got her one of the, some of these wheels that you attach to the shoes that the children wear. Yeah. So you can adjust it and you can attach it to the shoes. And when you wheel yourself along, uh, they light up. Oh. So you can whiz around the room, which is, is quite fun. A little bit dangerous, <laughs> but quite fun. Okay. Um, now, what I didn't expect is, is the reaction to, to the gift. So... Um, uh, yeah, when, when the secret centers were being handed out, uh, there was suddenly this massive squeal from the other side of the room. Uh, and then she was whizzing around the room with these, uh, these wheels on. And uh, I, I was told that she described it as the best gift that she had ever had. Which kind of is, is warming. And, and her boyfriend took it very well, which, <laughs> considering that's, that was a nice thing. Um, but uh, I mean, it kind of thing. Yeah, I, I do think that it's just a simple, such a simple gift. And, and she said she'd always wanted one of some of those as a little girl, but never got them. But uh, it, it does make me wonder, wonder what, what you know? Seriously, the, this this simple thing is the best gift she's ever had. Hmm. So I wonder what, whether you can think of the best gift that you've ever had. Hmm. It's a strange one, isn't it? I, I'm not sure whether I can think of one. Now, naturally, Christians describe the greatest gift uh, being given as Jesus. And this is what we're going to look at in the passage today, to see why Jesus is considered to be the greatest gift. I mean, we as Christians already know hopefully, but I think it's a good thing to be reminded at this time of year. So if you want to, uh, if you can turn to me, uh, turn with me to the passage, we are in Matthew's Gospel, 
So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. And this should be a very familiar story. It's very, very brief. It's no colourful descriptive. It's just a very clear account. So Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 18, starting at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had betrothed to, uh, been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being, just, uh, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until he had, she had given birth to a son, and he, he called his name Jesus. The great Christian author C.S. Lewis uh, once said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. And this is what we deal with as we look at Jesus today, at Christmas time. Jesus is seen to be moderately important. But this passage is saying either it's true or it's false. Either we have to believe it or we have to not. There is no in-between. I wonder whether you like the, the... Well, in Britain we have a tradition which is kind of uh, known that when you are with family, two things that you don't talk about politics and religion and especially at Christmas when you've got all the family round and you want peace in your household you don't talk about politics and you don't talk about religion these are the great dividers they're the they're the things that cause family rows they're the, the things that cause splits in the family Here's an interesting fact I learned this week. Now, when I was growing up, my mum said that she hated the, that people used the word Xmas instead of Christmas. Have you seen that? Xmas instead of Christmas. She said that it was because people wanted to exclude Christ from Christmas. So they took out the Christ and they put in an X. I learned this week that actually that's not true. The X is not actually an X. If you know your Greek, then it's the word, it's the letter chi. So it would be the start of or chai. Chi would be the start of Christ. 
So it's an abbreviation of Christmas or Christ. So uh, Xmas is just an abbreviation of Christmas. And I didn't know that before. That's, that's something you learn every day. So I'm not so fussed about using the word X. But people love to do that, don't they? They love to, well, they love to love Jesus, the baby Jesus, the nativity scene, the cute and, you know, the, the sweet little scene where you've got a baby Jesus, you've got mother and father, and you've got the whole, whole host of angels, very pretty looking and shining, the shepherds looking very smart, uh, not smelling at all of sheep, uh, and the wise men all adorned in their crowns, three kings. We like just a little bit of Jesus. Jesus becomes moderately important. He becomes a symbol of peace and hope, of kind of those warm, fuzzy feelings. We can do without Christ because it reminds us of Easter, the death, the resurrection, the most painful death in history, the blood, the sorrow. We like just a little bit of Jesus, but not the whole of Jesus. The fact is, history does tell us that Jesus existed. But sometimes when we look at this story, we do think of it as just a myth, um, a myth, a legend. And the fact that Jesus was born to a virgin makes it even more magical or mythical. So let's address, address this issue first. Was Mary a virgin? I've heard it said that virgin can actually be translated as young maid. I don't know whether you've heard that. And so they argue, oh, Mary had just slept with somebody else. She was a young maid. Uh, but let's have a look at the passage. So if you look down at the passage, let's, have a, uh, let's just clear this up. Uh, Matthew makes it really, really clear time and time again. This is what's going on. Verse 18, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So it's clear that they had not slept together. And they, before they came together, so they hadn't slept together. Okay? Joseph, in uh, verse 19, Joseph does not want to, to shame her. He's a, a decent guy. But he thinks she's probably slept with somebody else. She's, she's pregnant, she's probably slept with somebody else. Okay, so he has definitely not slept with her. Verse 20, an angel appears to Joseph. Isn't it funny how some people take issue with the fact that she's born a vir uh, yeah, she's a virgin and gives birth to a child, but they don't take issue with the fact that uh, an angel appears. That's kind of, kind of strange, I, I find. Uh, so the angel reassures Joseph that that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So not from sleeping from someone else, but from the Holy Spirit. Verse 23 repeats the prophecy from Isaiah. So we have this written in the ancient Aramaic, that's the New Testament, and 
sorry, that's the Old Testament, the ancient Aramaic, and the New Testament, ancient Greek. So we've got two different translations. So again, this idea that it might be mistranslated, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? And verse 25, finally, but Joseph knew her not until she had given birth. That means he didn't sleep with her. So Matthew makes it so clear. Isn't it clear? She was conceiving this from the Holy Spirit. Joseph had not slept with her. Joseph was pleased not to divorce her, not to, to, to uh, leave her, because he was reassured that this was from God. This translation, that virgin, might actually mean young maid. It's, it's got to be false, isn't it? Isn't it strange about the angel that people question, don't question that? If we believe in a creator God, why can't we believe in a virgin birth? If you believe in a resurrection from the dead, then how about a virgin birth? If you believe that the God who made the laws of physics and chemistry and biology, then why can't he break those? After all, that's what a miracle is, isn't it? We should be looking at the evidence. And the evidence in this account clearly points, and elsewhere, clearly points to an amazing miracle. This child's introduction to the world was truly unique and truly amazing. See, Matthew's Gospel, if you look slightly above at the start of Matthew's Gospel, he starts by listing Jesus' genealogy, the people who came before him, his fathers and grandfathers and forefathers. A list of the most famous people in Jewish history. In fact, a list of some of the most famous people in history. And this story here is putting Jesus right up there amongst them. In fact, with this amazing birth, it crowns him as above all of them. It points to Jesus. Jesus is the culmination of all of these great people. And you should be, and the Jews should be wondering when they read this, who is this child? And they should already have a, a very good idea. As I went through last week with Isaiah 9, this is the child that was expected. This is the child who was prophesied. And that question is answered straight away in Matthew. I mean, we can look elsewhere in the Bible, but let's, let's keep just to this passage. Okay? It's answered straight away with two very clear names. Not names given by man, but these names are given by God. Two names that speak very clearly as to what the nature of this child is and who this child is. Look down with me at uh, verse 23. So this is from Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. I talked about this last week. This child was not just any man. He is the Prince of Peace, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. 
both fully man and fully God. What we would wish in any king, any father, any God, wonderful counsellor, prince of peace, mighty God, everlasting father. Should we expect anything less than an amazing entry into this world? Wise men, a heavenly host of angels, people worshipping him. We shouldn't be expecting anything less. In fact, the surprise is that he was born in a lowly stable, in a manger, the eating trough for cows and sheep and horses. And his second name, verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. He will be the long-awaited saviour. Not a physical saviour, not from the Romans or any oppressors, not from sadness, some might hope for, not from loneliness, as some put pin their hopes on, not from poverty, which is a prosperity gospel that some churches still preach, so if you hear those things being preached, that's not what the Bible preaches. It preaches that Jesus will save you from your sins. Not sadness, not loneliness, not, pov not poverty. He will save you from your sins. Isn't it true that people are happy for Jesus just to stay as that cute baby in the nativity scene? They don't want to deal with the grim reality of this man who went to one of the most gruesome deaths and painful deaths in history. And why did he have to do that? To save you, to save us from our sins. It's the root of the problem with this uh, the world that we all suffer from. He will save us. And in that one act, he gives us this beautiful gift, this greatest gift, the gift of eternal life and a place in God's family. We are adopted as God's children. And surely that is the most precious gift of all. Surely that is something that's worth enduring a little bit of pain, a little bit of awkwardness, a little bit of family division over trying to get that division across. Now, I'm not saying that you should go and hammer that <coughs> uncle who doesn't believe. You know, you must believe. I'm going to take my Bible and hit him over the head. No, please don't do that. But just take that chance. And when you're talking about your faith, be passionate. This is the most important thing that's happened to us. How exciting is that? Maybe he can, or that, that person can see a glimmer of how wonderful that gift is to you. The most precious, the greatest gift that you have ever received. I'm someone who loves to find good presents for my friends. I have been known to buy a gift maybe 
over six months before um, because I just saw the perfect gift for somebody and uh, and I thought I'll buy it stick it in my cupboard um, I'd rather not get somebody a gift at all than than uh, make sure yeah, but make sure that they get the right gift I go through a lot of effort to get the right one sometimes yeah real pain especially at Christmas time yeah fighting through those shops those how much effort do we go through to bring this greatest gift to our family how much pain let me pray father that thank you that we have the gift of family the joy they bring and the pain and the heartache and the uh, the annoyance Lord but we thank you for family Lord help us to appreciate the family of the church and the family of you you as the perfect father Lord I pray that you help us to love you more that it just comes spilling out of our hearts Lord I pray that we can shine as witnesses to you and Lord, we, I pray that as cowardly and as timid as we are, that you give us the opportunities, not just small fleeting opportunities, but just wide open chances to speak to our family and friends about you and the joy that you bring and bring this greatest gift. And Lord, if, if they turn their backs on that, then let us know your peace know that you they haven't turned their backs on us they've turned their backs on you and let us be sad about that but be peace at peace that that you are working in them and that they have rejected you if if that is the case lord we pray for great joy and peace for our friends and family at this time in Jesus' name, Amen.